Hi, this is Kenneth Height, and you are watching and or listening to Legends of Tabletop. And welcome to the Legends of Tabletop podcast. We're getting ready to jump into our first real session of Other Borders. Uh, I'm going to kick it right over to Todd. He'll give us a recap about what happened last time, and we'll see what happens tonight. It is our first real, yeah, well, you know, we kind of started the first, this is like 0.5, session 1.5, but uh, we had a lot of really interesting setup last time, and it's going to take me a little while to go through it. You guys chime in, but I'm going to try to go through this fast and you can chime in with any of the details that are important if I skip them. And I, I arranged this in chronological order because when we played, everybody was like, well, an hour before that, well, six hours before that, here's what everybody was back flashing. And so I rearranged it. It goes like this. Early morning, November 31st, this is the first day of the three-day ceremony of the Day of the Dead. Javier, in coyote form, visits his uncle, his Martin's house and finds that he's gone. After taking a nap, he finds there's a note telling him that Martine had to go, reminding him to prepare for the festival tonight and saying if he needs anything, he should contact Filippo. And that's Sean. And then later that afternoon, uh, the Dia de Muerte festival is beginning. We're starting to see people gathering together, building ofrendas and selling drinks and partying in the street and a procession of people moving in and out of the cemetery at the other end of town. The three of these guys all happen to meet at Morgan's door. Morgan runs a botanica where she sells ritual ingredients that all three of them use in their various types and pursuits of magic. Morgan is worried and acting weird. We learn that somebody in the back room is apparently threatening her. Javi identifies that person as Joker, who's a goon from Los Tigres. That's a gang that runs protection rackets on the far east side. Uh, we're right on the edge of their turf. Morgan hurriedly rushes her customers along, but her eyes are implying that she doesn't want them to leave, and she returns repeatedly into the back room where Joker's voice can be heard, raised, and threatening. Filippo steps outside. He sends a message to Casper, head of the rival gang, La Familia 13. And to his surprise, as soon as he mentions Morgan's name, he's told that Casper will personally be there right away, so he hangs around to watch the fireworks. Morgan is going back into the back room. Javi and Manny are trying to come up with a response when these cars roll up, blaring gangster rap. F-13 is here. Three members tumble out of one car in front. Three members tumble out of the other car in back. Filippo points them toward the door in the front of the building. The group in the back forcefully enters the storage room. They're shouting, and a shot rings out. Javi and Manny rush in to find Joker bleeding on the floor, surrounded by F-13 guns pointed at him. He manages to get up, and he leaves, swearing that this isn't over. Casper moves in to take control of the whole situation. He guarantees Morgan's safety personally, and he tells everybody you should just move along. But as the PCs leave, they notice him sliding a baggie full of funny-looking hand-rolled cigarettes over to Morgan, who places her hand on top of the bag, and they all leave. A few minutes later, out on the, now, Filippo goes back to the theater because there's a, uh, a performance of Don Juan, an annual tradition going on in his theater tonight, so he had just come to get some incense to burn in the theater. He goes off that way. Meanwhile, Manny is hanging around on the busy street, surrounded by festival-goers and wandering spirits because he sees dead people. 
And he's waiting for Javier to pass by. He wants to talk to him about getting him an audience with Tio Martin, who could maybe teach him how to handle his powers better and deal with the other side, because it's something that bothers Manny. But the conversation is stilted, and Manny is distracted by the continual appearance and disappearance of the wandering souls all around, which only he can see. Javier is stoic. He doesn't want to have this conversation. Manny presses, and Javier eventually admits that he doesn't trust him or the path that he's on. His magical path is the way of the brujo, the dark path. So uh, Javier and his tío have dealt with the fallout of brujeria before, it turns out, and they consider it a dark path, and that's why Javier doesn't trust Manny and doesn't want to help him. But he, he does say that... Um, <laughs> wait, because I, I have to mention this line. Manny says uh, he wants to help people. He swears he doesn't want to become an apprentice shaman. He just wants some help and some advice. I don't want to join your cult, he says. Javier bristles. Martin is currently unavailable, says the young shaman. But when he returns, I'll see what I can do. That does not sound like a lot. Now, later in the evening, the show is going on. It's coming to a close. Filippo is hanging around backstage at the annual presentation of Don Juan Tenorio. He's surrounded by his loyal cast and crew, and his activities have all been going well lately. He's making money on his deal brokering and his network of informers, but he's mostly paying attention to the audience because he's hoping to see a contact of his out there. We don't know who. A rival to Mr. Cisco, with whom he was hoping to broker some sort of deal or allegiance or at least a truce between two groups. He sees Mr. Cisco out in the audience, but he does not see his friend, and he doesn't want to meet Cisco alone. So he sits in a back room at the... Uh, back of the theater, listening to the scolding voices of his paternal ancestors. This is not the type of performances we taught you to do. They say, you've twisted it. You're doing it all wrong. And he's drinking scotch from a flask and trying to keep himself together. When Javier comes in, Javier wasn't too worried this morning to find that Tio Martin was gone, but now the festival's beginning. Martin never misses the festival. Javier is concerned. And so he goes to the theater to talk to Filippo. Filippo welcomes it in. But he goes all poker-faced when Martine's name is mentioned. And uh, he says that Martine has come into danger and that some people are keeping him safe. It turns out that these people are La Familia Trece. So Filippo dials Casper on the phone. Casper asks for him to put Javier on the phone, where Casper explains that your uncle is in good hands. In fact, he's going to come home rich. Uh, he's making for us something called the Little Smoke. But we have to lay low because Mr. Cisco is in town. Cisco, of course, the guy who was in the audience at the theater tonight, is a, a cartel boss. And the fact that he's in town has everybody really jumpy and acting weird. Now, it turns out that uh, uh, Filippo is interested. And he gets his phone back from Javier. This is a lot for Javier to process, so he just sits there thinking about it. When the show is over, Filippo's vigilante side kicks in, and he decides he's going to follow Cisco and find out where his hideout is. And so he trails his car all the way across town to the airport, where he sees a hangar, where apparently Cisco has been using this hangar as his base of operations. And he watches for an hour or more as people come and go, deliveries are made, and drugs change hands. And then he sees one visitor who brings Cisco a bag of hand-rolled cigarettes, dun, 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 similar to those we saw Casper give to Morgan earlier. And as we close the episode, the camera is flying over the town. It's dark. There's lights and bonfires and people partying and drunkenly shouting and screaming in the streets. <clears throat> it's a festival atmosphere, deep after dark. The ghosts of the dead are sitting and standing all around. When we see 
Morgan's standing in the front door of the Botanica and Casper pulls up. He assures her he's going to take care of her. He comes on to her a little bit creepily. Um, but he says he wants her to do just one more thing. If anyone comes around looking for the source of the little smoke, he says, maybe you just tell them uh, you make it yourself. You make money. We make money. You move product. We move product. We're all good. Camera pulls back. Partiers fill the screen. And the ghosts of the dead watch from the cemetery. That was episode one. So here's episode, what, 1.5? Yeah, I wasn't sure how to label it because we actually sort of played on the session zero. So, <laughs> I think we should call this episode two. the the uh, The pilot was short because it included Kerjen. Yeah, yeah. But I do have a question for Sean. Uh, Sean was the one who picked the theme for tonight's episode, and by the rules as written, that means he gets the first scene. But I also have this house rule where the GM always does the first scene. And so what I've decided to do, because I didn't make that clear before, I'm going to give Sean his choice. Sean, do you want the first scene? Or do I take the first scene and then we go to the random deck? I'll take the first scene. All right, then. It is episode two of Other Borders, starring John Haremza, Jesse Pine, and Sean Koch. Take it away. All right. Uh, we are going to open on a Italian restaurant that is located between somewhere at the Civic Center in Los Barrios. It's one of the only Italian restaurants in the area. And uh, it's very fine dining. It's very high price plates. There's maitre d's and, you know, people very ex- uh, formal high end outfits. And Javier has been invited to show up at this restaurant at the request of Filippo. Okay, so to to go by the you know the rules, what we want to know right at the top, okay, where are you? You have told us that. Who else is there? Is it just you two? Yes, it would be just Filippo and Javier at this point. Okay, and when is it? Mm, that's a good question. How much time has passed? Yeah. Well, I don't know. I'm going to put that up to a, a sort of democratic process. Do we want to move it far along, or do we want to pick up the next day? Make a suggestion. See if anybody hates it. Uh, I personally, uh, since Todd started it on Dia de Muertos, and that's a three-day affair. I think that having it happen, so like our first session happened on the first day i think it would be interesting to have our second session be the second day oh, of God. the event that was, my, that was my original intent yeah. yeah then that's that's where i think it should be set uh, okay so it is the next day it's you and javier you're in this italian restaurant and my final question to you sir before we begin rping is uh what do you want What's your intent? He, he intends uh, to present to Javier not only a truce, but a sort of um, offer for a plan, which may put them at odds with fighting the, either the cartel or the gangs. Okay, so you're going to be trying to get him to agree to your proposed plan. Yes. Let's see it happen. So we've got this little restaurant. It's a classical Italian place. Little tables, red and white checkered tablecloths. Uh, very attentive uh, waiters and, and uh, uh, wait staff who are um, staying quietly out of the way because they recognize a business conversation when they see one. Um, Italian music playing in the background, little violins swelling. 
and I'll, I'm gonna say it's lunch, so he's got a full meal set out already by the time Javier uh, arrives and he greets him in. Come, come, sit down, sit down, sit down. Javier looks um, uncomfortable. This is not his typical. This wouldn't, you know, wouldn't be his normal thing. So he's, you know, he's got like the nicest shirt that he has, which isn't all that nice, really. Um, and he's just kind of like looking around, kind of taking the place in. You know, he pulls out the chair, sits down, and he says, uh, "What are? Why would you want to meet here?" Okay, this is Gregorio's, and uh, I think you're a regular here, aren't you, Filippo? Yeah. Yes, okay. it's, it's the only place in town he can get uh, like a mama's cooking. Okay, so Gregorio Gregorio himself has brought you a plate of his his uh, freshest lasagna. Oh. He says, oh, come, come. Say, are you hungry? Do you wish for anything? We can order you anything. They make the best pasta carbonara. He's like a genius. Uh, sure. I'll, I'll give that a shot. Okay. Bake what, the order. what time of day is it? I'm going to say lunch. This, this ah, is lunch. Okay. I, I don't want the, the shady nighttime stuff going on. This is like a middle of the day lunch when nobody would be expecting a business deal. It's the best time to do a business deal. Cool. This is calm, calm. I am. I want to make apologies and reach out an olive branch for yesterday. You, I had a production play. There was a lot of things going on. I'm very sorry that uh, things did not go so smoothly on our first real uh, conversation. I, I will say that I was uh, sort of put out. I did not to expect to receive the information that uh, that you gave me. Uh, Tio never said anything about any of this, and to find out that you were involved hadn't quite upset. I understand family is the most important part of our lives. Uh, I have operated for a long time in this city and through Mexico. I, uh, one time, I had a story where I went down on an operation to Sinaloa, and we were promised... Uh, a shipment of, what would you call it, or, uh, just above game and a meta questions. He wouldn't, he wouldn't call it drugs. Uh, it would be in a euphemism for drugs. Oh, he might simply say product. Yeah, just, it's a, a fine product, you know, uh, the kind that sells well and it's, uh, grows from the earth, is medicinal. And uh, we thought we'd get some guns as well, but it turns out that the shipment that we had gone for was people, and not in a good way, a very bad way, children. And this is not something that I will put my knife on the line for. And so I made a deal with one cartel to move in on the territory of the other cartel because they operate in a product that I completely disagree with. Suffice to say, a long series of events from there blossomed and the local cartels in the city, the local operations, got to where they were through a series of decisions. So I've garnered favors over the years. I've come to money. I'm not a rich man. This is not something I do all the time, but I like the food here. It's very good. But I have been through a lot of money over the years, much money. And it comes and it goes. You spend it. It comes back to you. But really... The currency of this world is favor, and it comes from your name. 
I have a name among the city and among many of the organizations uh, down through Mexico and other countries that uh, I cannot immediately put towards the fire, if you understand. I do not wish to burn my fingers. So, so Javier was kind of sitting back in the chair and he leans forward, he puts his hands on the table, he kind of, you know, crosses his fingers. He says, uh, I, I thought you were, I thought you were a magician, like <laughs> a stage musician. How is it that you're involved? I mean, you're no better than the cartels yourself. Mm. Oh, no, 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 no. I am a magician. I went to Italy with my papa, and he trained me in an old lineage. Italian stage magic goes back quite a history. That is my youth, but you see my father. My father, he was caught up into very bad things in this town. Uh, he was well known at a period of time. He could get anything for anyone. And me, in my naivety of childhood, thought I would come back to America after a long series of years trying to help my father, or my, my poppy, uh, great-grandfather, see out his dreams of stage magic for the family. He wanted to teach my father, but my father did not want to be a magician, so I became a magician. But when I got home, my father was more interested in making money and hurting people, not willingly hurting them, but apathetically allowing them to be hurt. And he was in a bad place because once you get into their life like this, it is very hard to pull yourself out. You become indebted. And he was very indebted. I could not pull him out because he did not want to come out. Well, you know how it is, uh, like with addicts. Once they get a taste, they, they cannot, uh, how do you say... They cannot resist the temptation. Um, the problem is, when you go into the mud to wrestle with pigs, as they say in my grandpa's country, you cannot escape without mud on yourself. So this is a life that I have been entangled in, and the best way to deal with it is to simply be the best magician that there is. It just matters what I make appear and disappear. And oh. did, you, did you make... My tea disappeared? As we've discussed, people, um, he wanted to get away from people who wanted him, but he ended up in the hands of people who want him just as bad. Unfortunately, your Theo has talents that purvey in the realm of things that people find uh, very useful. He is like, like a service or a product himself. I know it's terrible and dehumanizing. I don't wish to, I don't wish to apply anything like you tried the breadsticks, wine? Not that it is, some more wine. He <laughs> just kind of shakes his head. <laughs> <clears throat> Gregorio comes over to make sure everything is to your utmost satisfaction. Then he, he greets him in the finest Italian, and and they like laugh at each other like old chums, and you know pats his shoulder. It's very it's very Italian. Yeah, I saved your favorite for you. He presents a bottle oh. of red. Ah, oh, but your favorite is right here talking to me. <laughs> man of my heart. His food is like my own family's food. He's like brother to me. You should come by here some other time and eat here. It's very good. You should see their dinner selection. You should come and you should bring your whole family. Yes, it's a family restaurant. Mm. 
Now, now, where was I? Where was I? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I'm sorry. I do not wish to dominate the conversation. I, I brought you here because I want to extend Olive Branch, and I have an idea on how you can reunite with your Theo, but it's dangerous. I, I would like to know your feelings on the matter of this so far before I proceed. I, well, I mean, of course, I would do anything to get him back. Um, if With the, the cartels, the, the gangs and everything being mixed up in this, I'm not sure exactly what the plan is. I have a few things in mind that I wanted to check out on my own. Well, here's the thing. I am proposing to you a plan to get your uncle back, your Theo. But to get your Theo back would put you at odds with one of two groups. Neither group will be safe for you, if you understand what I mean. You tread onto very dangerous territory. And last night I was very off-put because I don't want to see you hurt. I do not wish to see your Theo hurt. Both of you have very unique talents, I hear. Uh, they're running the family, so to speak. Now, from what I take it, someone is moving substances, product, through uh, through the city. And they're using your teal to do it. However, have you ever heard of Mr. Cisco? I, only by reputation. He's one of the... Uh... One of the uh, cartel leaders, is he not? Yes. He is a very important man in this city. And he has a lot of power. And I do not mean uh, he owns the mayor sort of power. I mean he has yachts. He has helicopters. I'm talking about a man with sway. Now, the problem with this is also that when I told the story earlier of uh, what I encountered in Sinaloa, you see, my decisions led to a very young Mr. Cisco before he led the cartel and gave him a vantage to where he could seize the power to become a leader of the cartel. So in a way, we are indebted to each other and bonded. This is not something that I wish to burn if you understand, those kind of bridges are very hard to build. Do you think he would even honor something like that? Well, let's say it's muddied in the past. I've paid favors, he's paid favors, and we are not exactly owing each other at this point. I do also not know what the cartel's plan would be involved, nor would I wish to get involved with that unless it comes within the purvey of my theater. The reality is, though, that our plans that we put here will either set the cartel to win one over on the organization that has your Tio, or to set your Tio's or the organization that has your Tio against the cartel. Both sides have pros and cons. If we venture into this, we could get your Tio free. But we will need people, and we will need secrecy, because if it goes live, we will need lots of guns. Mm. Uh, that doesn't sound like <laughs> the best option. 
I don't wish to be involved in any sort of uh, gun battle, any, you know, cartel business. He uses air quotes. Um, Can I jump in here? I'm a little bit meta here, but I, I think what I hear Filippo suggesting is kind of like, let's you and him fight. Is that what you're? I think he's wanting to pit one side against the other. Yeah. He's trying to figure out to pit the sides against each other and Mm -hmm. figuring out which one he wants to come on top because Mm -hmm. whichever one comes on top is the one you have to deal with. Um, Yeah. So I, fuck. um, Okay. So uh, now I'm going to jump over to Javier's head. Uh, This is not the world that you move in. You're not, not you're not accustomed to the world of drug traffic. Um, but you do remember from when you were on the phone with Casper. Um, Casper doesn't talk like a man who's afraid, but he's afraid of Cisco. Yeah. Um, so he's just, you know, he's like, well, uh, I mean, if you want to pit one against the other, uh, Cisco or uh, Casper seemed to come to your call relatively quickly. Uh, I would imagine you're probably closer to him. It'd probably be easier to deal with him. But again, I don't wish to become enmeshed in any sort of gang warfare. Does you understand yesterday my reaction? Because I knew immediately when you presented this problem to me what the outcome would be. And what I know now, after much research last night and my eyes out there, is that I believe both of them want your teal. So if we free your teal from one, we may end up having him taken by the other. Uh, There is one place that he could go that they would not be able to follow, but that would be an extreme measure to say the least. What? Off to the the world of fairies? Uh, Call it what you will to the, uh, into the borderlands, the, the space between. You may not believe it, but I have seen it. I've been there. I want to believe. I would love for you to show me this other place, but the world has never brought it to me, no matter how much I've asked. And I feel like it does not think I'm worthy of it. Well, perhaps it feels that your stage magic is a mockery of the magic that really exists. And hundreds of years ago, Burn. they were divided. There was no separation between them. And then greed and money came in, the power of man's choices. Either way, I want you to understand the ramifications of what getting your teal back would mean. You are not in the world of gunfights or Serbian hit squads or... Uh, government agents after you. You are not uh, for car chases and gunfights and all this stuff in the movies. But that is the world you will be stepping into and you need to learn to step trepidatiously. I will have to to think on this. Uh, There is someone else I need to speak with, uh, some other avenues I wish to pursue before committing to uh, this this path, this seems like it would be a no-win for not only for myself and my uncle, but this 
this town itself is already racked by these gangs and oh, full of drugs. I, I don't, if we can do anything to avoid that, uh, that would be all the better. Do you know, uh, on the weekends, we offer a workshop to teach local children how to do stage magic. We do reach programs uh, to the homeless, to the other fed, uh, charities to help the community. This is very important to me and my organization. I've seen your flyers. Protecting the neighborhood is one of the chief motivations of why I still do what I do. I could get out, I could retire, I could walk away. Although <laughs> once, once you've entered this business, you never truly retire. But the proposition of navigating the minefield that is placed before us, I am willing to help you with. I don't want to seem like uh, I was so dis dissuasive last night. Dismissive? Dismissive last night. I, I apologize uh, that I came off in any sort of negative light or attitude. I understand the journey that you would be taking to return to your TO, and uh, I will help you with it, but I want you to understand the path and the dangers on that path. Now, that being said, what do you know of this Manny fellow? <laughs> oh, he's, uh, he's a bit of trouble, I think. Um, we, uh, we've had to deal with some of the ramifications of the magic that he chooses to wield. Uh, what, as what a matter is, of what's, what's the uh, difference? I mean, it's magic, right? He's a he's a brujo, which is uh, more of the um, a darker art than than what we practice. Um, doesn't do anybody any good, really. It's uh, revenge and that sort of stuff. Uh, it's it's funny you ask though, because uh, when we left the botanica yesterday, I ran into Manny. He was waiting for me. I see. Uh, he wishes to study, in his words, uh, with my Uncle Martin. I put him off for now. I don't know that I trust him to wield the sort of power that, that we do based on the type of magic that he deals in now. Um, he could potentially be an ally if push came to shove, I suppose, but I couldn't swear to that. Well, from what I know in my connections, he is not directly uh, embedded into either of the groups that you would have to navigate through. And, uh, being an outsider, sort of, to these groups means that he would be very useful in our navigation. Uh, he seems to have wanted something from you. And I want something from him. We all seem to want something from each other. And in this, I believe, we may be able to navigate this problem together, the three of us. Um, because I don't think you could do it alone. I mean, you're very capable, I assume. But it is a very dangerous path. And I have a limitation of how much I can expose myself into it. We, we meet here in this Italian restaurant because I trust everyone here with my life. I speak uh, exaggeratively 
I speak hypothetically. I've said all sorts of things here. The one time I talked about the the potential history of if uh, Mussolini had not lost the war, and uh, this is not something people want to hear, but it's hyperbole. It's it's entertaining hypothetical ideas because the way chess works is the only way to take the king is to understand every potential move you can make and the ramifications, every dead end on the branching timelines. I don't know if you know much about quantum theory or any of that. It's very fascinating stuff, but it teaches you that there are many ways to skin a cat. Many of those ways reach dead ends. Our goal would be to reach an end in which you return your Theo back to the freedom that he deserves, while at the same time not ending our paths, your path or mine, or anyone else we suck into the gravitation of this event that shall happen. Because just by meeting each other, the three of us, we have already started an event. How it turns out will be up to this, and that is what we discuss today. What mm -hmm. are your thoughts? Again, I, I don't wish to, to jump into anything as quickly as this based on a conversation. Um, we, as you say, don't know how things will play out. Uh, we do seem to have some path that intertwines the three of us. Uh, how that may eventually play out, I, I don't know. Let me tell you what. Take your time to mull it over. You have... As much time as you want, I don't believe the organizations are going anywhere very quickly. Uh, they are moving at a very uh, safe space, or safe, sorry, uh, safe speed, because I think that the cartel is searching for something, and the people who are holding Tio are keeping away from that something. Now, when they meet, I cannot predict, but I don't believe it will be very soon. So we have a period of time to operate. If something happens, we may reach a point where you may not be able to rescue your Theo. We do not know how chaos of these events may turn out if these other organizations proceed to a collision path. So take your okay, time. Okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump in here because this, this is basically the third time you've presented uh, an opportunity to join you and you, you, you haven't really specified what it is you want to do except that there are many ways it could go wrong, and we have to choose the way that might go right. But both times you've made it through this argument, I think you've received a no. <laughs> or at least let, let's put a pin in it. <laughs> yeah. yeah that's so, a, so I'm going to I'm going to halt circular the, logic. Yeah. So I'm going to halt the circle right there because you you've received a no twice. Okay. I'm I'm just going to end it with. So take your time to think over it, and. Uh, if you can, try to build a relationship with this Manny fellow, because I believe he will be very useful to whatever plan you decide to take on. Whatever it is, I'm offering my help to you. I will be at your beck and call when you wish, but there is only a certain amount that I can do. He, uh, he nods. Sorry, I will, uh, if I run into Manny, I'll, uh, I'll talk to him. I, uh, so I should say that I appreciate your help, but it seems as if you were involved from the start, so I don't know how I feel about that. 
All right, and the music swells, the, the violin taking over the soundtrack as, uh, as the meal comes to an end. Sean obviously did not get what uh, he was asking for there, and so I've gone ahead and given him a drama token. And now I'm going to draw a card and see who gets scene two. Javier, it's yours. All right. So uh, what I'm going to want to know is uh, the next scene, where does it take place? When does it take place? Who's there? And what's the intention? What does somebody want? All right. So it's about it's about an hour after lunch. Um, he's kind of walking through town, sort of mulling over, you know, all these things that uh, Filippo was talking about. So he winds up back at, uh, at Tio's place and um, he uh, decides that he wants to step over into the borderlands to talk with uh, Coyote, who's his cousin contact, uh, you know, spirit contact on the other side. Um, he wants to see if he can glean any information from Coyote about what's happening or, uh, you know, what's what's going, you know, he's, he's looking for information, information that, you know, maybe uh, a spirit would have that we wouldn't be able to gather here in the, you know, material plane or whatever you want to call it. Okay, so what does that what does that look like? What do you what do you do? Um, fuck, I don't know. Um, do you want to cut media res right into the other world? Because I was kind of curious of like how you do it. I I think it's one of it's it's like one of those things where you can, you know, if you're in tune to it, you can kind of see it out of the corner of your eye, and if you turn to look, it's gone. So he just sort of like he tries to relax, and like unfocus his eyes a little bit what time is it when uh it's about an hour later so if it was lunch it's like you know maybe like two o'clock three o'clock maybe if here we were there for probably an hour okay um so he just sort of like unfocuses his eyes and just sort of waits for it to happen because he knows it'll it'll present itself and as uh you know he's just sort of standing there with his eyes kind of half-lidded he sees a little bit of a shimmer off to his right and he just steps to the right and just sort of like phases out like steps. It's almost like stepping through a door that you didn't know was there. And then there's like a little bit of a shimmer as he passes through. Yeah. And there's a slight tingling or it's almost physical, but not quite physical, but you can, you can tell you're kind of electric in a way. And the entire world is a little bit sharper and a little bit clearer, almost like technicolor version of the world. There's a mesa up ahead of you that actually isn't there. But on top of that mesa is a silhouette of a human uh, with a canine head. And it's looking at the off in the distance and turning its head until it spots you. Mm-hmm. So he uh, just kind of lets out a sigh, looks around, takes a deep breath because everything, you know, smells cleaner. Like I said, the colors are brighter. It's more vibrant. Like, you know... Like, it looks like the real world, but, like, intensified. Like, just that much more present. And, and, and your, your, uh, the question in your mind, the goal, the intent is? To see whether or not Coyote can provide any information as to what's actually happening. Like, is there, you know, is there anything that he knows about? So, like, you know, Coyote's always, you know, he's a trickster spirit, so... 
you know, he'll try to fix one thing and fuck something else up. Like things never kind of work the way that he thinks that they're going to work so that other spirits then kind of have to like clean up his mess. And sometimes people get involved and sometimes they don't like, you know, they, they freely pass from, from one side to the other. They're, um, you know, their influence is less now as, you know, technology moves on and people, you know, sort of come dis you know, become disconnected from those, you know, folk tales and those, those myths and all that stuff. Um, you know, so they're, they're almost, almost like a residual now, you know, compared to what they used to be, but they still, you know, travel freely and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And you're hyper aware of it right now. It's possible to be in a state of mind where it's, it's obvious and it's all around you all the time. Um, it, but time doesn't work there the same way as time works in the regular world and things appear and disappear sort of randomly, but also in a very symbolic way. And so you're looking up at the silhouette on the mesa, but then the next thing you know, you're looking down from the mesa at the, there's a, there's a thin little trickly river that runs through this part of the, the landscape, which is otherwise very dry. And uh, this, this tiny little river pushing itself through this massive environment gives you a, a weird feeling inside. Something, something so small it's destined to fail, and yet somehow, impossibly, pushing through this vastness that's against everything that it is, and succeeding, trailing all the way to the edge of the desert and beyond your eyes' sight. You don't know where Coyote ends and you begin. You're, you're looking out of Coyote's eyes and also your own, but you hear Coyote's voice in your head, and it says, one can never know. It might look indeterminable. The entire point of the mission is how impossible it seems. The reverse of what you want is always hidden within what you want. Be careful. And then you're back on the ground again. The mesa is gone. And your tattoo tingles. Okay. Um, so he's he's back in the in the regular world then. Um, you, no, you're not in the regular world um, because you don't know if the vision is over. Okay. Okay. So he says, uh, "I I guess I should have expected that it wouldn't be that easy." How have you been? As all time is. I have my ups and my downs. They come together. You'll find that they come together. You want your teal back? Your teal has inverted his own power. Your teal has placed himself in this position. It is not your journey to find him. It is his journey to find himself. But what would lead him to a place that he would do this? I mean, he always taught me about responsibility and, and family and uh, community. And then to find that He's placed himself in this position? It doesn't make any sense to me. Think of that river pushing its way through the impossible. Where does it go? Goes to the end? It goes beyond your ability to know. Each of us lives only a span of years. Each of us can see only a span of the spectrum. Each of us hears only a tiny portion of all of the sound that exists. Reasons extend beyond your ability to see them. That doesn't make them non-reasons. You know Tio. I thought I did. He is afraid. Afraid of what? He's a man of significant power. He's 
uh, respected in his community. He's has me to, you know, to be there for, to be, you know, to be with him and, and, you know, help him through. I, I, I'm just, I'm at a, at a loss as to, to why. Look around you. You see the dirt, you see the sun, you see the hot sand, you see the lizard, the lizard, you see the desert tortoise, you see the cactus, you see the Joshua tree, you see life adapted to this harsh environment. No water. What else do you see? You see water. So th- this whole time he hasn't been looking at him. So he just kind of like half turns his head, you know, and it's, he's not, you know, coyote's not looking at him either. And he just like, you know, takes in the, you know, the, the coyote head and he, and he, you know, he just kind of, he just kind of shakes his head. Like he's disappointed, not, not in coyote, but you know, in himself and his, and his uncle that, you know, to, to be in this position, um, you know, knowing what his uncle knows, you know, has, you know, grown up here and, you know, knows, you know, about the, the cartels and all this stuff. And he says, uh, what is it that, that you have seen? Is there any wisdom that you can impart to me uh, as I undertake this journey? I fear that if I wait for Tio to discover his own path, it may be too late. You're dealing with issues beyond the veil. The other side of that border is dark and unknown. This is not where you travel, but you know one who does travel there. Look at the river. From whence does it come? To where does it go? Look at the river. You're not looking. You turn to look at the river. Mm -hmm. The river is the only thing here that's real. The voice in your head says, the reason comes from the real world. It always does. What you take to be real is always where the problem starts. You won't find the solution here. Follow that river back to the desert of the real. Then the vision is over and there's no river. Yeah. So he's like, he's, I'm assuming he's like standing out behind the house, just like looking off into the, into the, the scrub part of the desert. Mm -hmm. Now there's, there is no river, but when you look off in the direction that the river was running, uh, it is, let me see, you are, we actually never placed Tio's house. He was in La Fluensis. Yeah, but you're in La Fuentes, but there's that's kind of a big area. Yeah. Um, okay, what I'm going to say is it's looking north of your house. It's looking, if you went far enough, the airport. Hmm. You know, just at that time, like a plane is coming in. There you go. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Okay, um, this is a toughie. Uh, did you get what you were asking for? Uh, I mean, he wanted a simple solution. So <laughs> not that he thought he would really get it, you know, because this is the way, you know, Coyote normally would speak to him in, in you know, sort of riddles and, and you know, kind of like you kind of need to figure it out on your own. Um, so he's, he's not surprised. But he he was looking for like solid information, so he was you know it was all deflected back to him to to sort of figure out. I I don't know. Uh, okay. It sounds like you you didn't get something that you consider actionable. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and give you the drama token there. Okay. And that is your scene. Um. But um. 
What's funny is it's it's kind of questionable whether that's truly actionable because I did try to give you kind of a hint of some kind without literally knowing the answer. So you're going to want to think about that whole river metaphor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Scene three, Manny, it is your time. All right. Uh, so I don't necessarily know what time this would take place during uh i'm assuming that it would probably be before nightfall so it could be happening during the day like right around the same time that would kind of make sense um but just like in that general like afternoon to evening period but uh manny would be setting up the ofrenda for his mother and father okay and I'm assuming that he would probably be doing that at the cemetery. Okay. As well. Okay, so we know where we are, we know when we are, who else is here, and what are you looking to get to do to accomplish? Uh, at this point, so Manny would be alone right now, uh, but this time of year is pretty much the only time that he ever sees his brother. So he's expecting him to be here and he's uh with his with the recent uh situation that he just found himself in the other day he's not necessarily sure if he wants to see him or not but he's he should have been done with the ofrenda a while ago you're taking your time okay he's so taking his time but he's not sure why <clears throat> he's taking his time is this a, an exposition scene or is this a, a dramatic scene? Are you looking for something to get? Um, oh, we can. We, uh, I think we should turn it into a dramatic scene, uh, depending on if. Yeah, well, if we want to turn it into a dramatic scene, then we can uh, we can have Alejandro show up and oh, we, can, we can do okay. something between the two of them. I, I didn't hear myself explicitly invited. But uh, while you're working on the ofrenda and you're you're trying to get the frankincense to light, it's always so hard to get that going. Um, a hand reaches out from behind you and helps you steady the bowl. You recognize it um, immediately as Alejandro's hand, but he looks a lot paler than the last time you saw him. Hmm. And he says, let me help. And so Manny, he's kind of on edge right now, so he'll jump like slightly, not not like a big, but like a like a quick stutter, and then he'll realize that it's his brother. And he, <sighs> thank you. Uh, your brother's eyes are sunken, and he is he is pale, and there's a slight tremble to his fingers. Chasing the dragon. He he does not look healthy. Um, but he does smile at you in that quiet way that he has, and he pushes his hair up out of his eyes, and he says, you know, there are a few members of the family that I don't yet hate. And so he hasn't really looked too much at Alex yet. Alejandro, he's kind of just seen his figure out of the corner of his eyes, busy kind of finishing things up. He straightens the picture of his of his mother on the top, on the top tier, and then begins to stand he's like say well i'm not sure where i'm counting and that's when he'll kind of catch full view of his brother 
and pause for a moment and say, what the hell have they done to you? What are you talking about? He kneels down and starts arranging some of the flowers. He has this thing about symmetry. And yeah, the uh, Manny has basically been doing this by himself for years now. And it's, he doesn't really care too much. It's not that he doesn't care, but he doesn't put too much detail or thought into it. He just kind of, it's almost rote now and it's tradition. So he does it because he has to. And so he has like, you know, he has where he puts the pictures and then he puts the candles and he puts the sweet bread and the mole out and he likes and it, so he just kind of throws everything where it needs to be but he yeah uh, but but your brother is like getting all ocd about right it. in fact he's yeah. starting to like he's starting to like hum to himself he's starting to get really absorbed and making sure everything's perfectly symmetrical mm-hmm. was this something we knew about him previously i mean the character's past or is this new development uh, this would be new in story. Yeah, this is the first time that his brother's been brought up in in game. No, I mean, I mean, uh, is this like um, something the brother has always done, or does he know his brother? This is not usual behavior for him. Oh, uh, I'd say that this this is somewhat usual behavior for him, but okay, possibly not to this extreme. Now he's a. He's the dark sheep went off on his own. We really didn't know much more than that. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, he'll just he'll he'll stand up as as Alex kneels down and goes, Alex, you you look like shit. Do I really? Yeah. Have Have you been eating? Have <laughs> what have you been eating? <laughs> no, I'm fine. I don't feel like shit. You know. It's all subjective, isn't it? Yeah. It's all how you feel. And I feel, and he pats you on the cheek, I feel fine. Hey, you know what? You can feel fine, too. Check this out. Puts his hand in his pocket, and he brings out some black, sticky stuff in a folded aluminum foil. You can go ahead and roll plus knowing. Sure. And my knowing is one. So, oh, and I rolled a one, so that's a two. Um, you're looking at this stuff, and you're trying to figure out exactly what it is, and he, he nudges you, and he's like, black tar opium, and just at that moment, somebody who you didn't even notice um, a minute ago, but there were just a couple graves over, where your brother just spoke way too loud, and the person looks up in this direction, uh, holy shit, that's Officer Mac, that's Officer Jim Mac, that's a cop. Your brother just said black tar opium out loud. And all right, so I'll, I'll look at Alex. And I was like, Jesus, put that, put it away. And, uh, and yeah, can I'll look over and can I, what's his, has he had any reaction to this? Um, trying to decide how hard of a move I should make this. Uh, he is, he's not coming over, but mm-hmm. he's still looking in your direction. Okay. He was in the he was in the middle of of you know talking to one of his relatives or something mm-hmm. uh, when he suddenly hears black tar opium out loud and so <laughs> his instinct is just turn around and look and now he's yeah. sizing he's sizing you two guys up like okay he doesn't yet know if what he just heard is like totally circumstantial right but your brother is shoving something back into his pocket mm-hmm. all right this looks a little I'll get him, yeah I have. 
I have an idea, but I'm gonna I'll keep it just in case. No, I don't I want to. I need I, you to do something. Well, yes, but uh, all right. So, so all right, we'll do this. Um, I'll I'll see him kind of still looking at us and and everything, and uh, he's probably what you said like a couple of graves away, so probably like yeah, ten 15, feet maybe. Yeah, like 10, 15 feet. So, I'll kind of take. I'll walk about half the distance and I'll just look at him. Be like, my brother's only going to be here for a few more minutes. We don't want trouble. You don't want trouble. And I'm going to go ahead. Can I use my, uh, my bad reputation? Ooh. Ooh. Very interesting. Yeah. Let's, let's see how that sucker works. All right. So let's see. Uh, it says when you meet someone new, uh, roll magia. Yeah, you're gonna roll. You're gonna add your magia. Now, remember, anytime anybody rolls, by the way, I need to say this mm-hmm. until everybody knows it. If you want to spend a point of poder, you get another die and take the highest. Oh, really? Okay. Uh, uh, the other thing you can do uh, if you want to push it mm-hmm. is you can burn that skill, that that ability, whatever it is, and that's what that little checkbox there for is. Like, yep. Okay. If you burn it though, then later you have to do a a refresher scene where you get your energy back. Okay. Um, yeah, I think I'll save that for now and I'll, but I will, I will spend a poder. Okay. I have three, so I could get rid of one. of Poder. Poder. Uh, all right. So I'll do that. Uh, all right. So I rolled a one and a three. You get to take uh, the three. Yep. Yeah, so three plus three, that is six. You got a major three, huh? Yep. All right. So, yeah, uh, Officer Mac has heard of you. You gain a point of poder, so you yeah, get it back. Get it back. And you get to tell me what he's heard. Uh, so he uh, obviously probably has heard about my family since they're fairly uh, ingrained into uh, into the town, into and into uh, La Safuerte Afueras. I know I know other languages, <laughs> um, and uh, and yeah. So and uh, so the history, but I'm assuming that this is like an older gentleman who's probably been in the town for a while. Uh, yeah, let's let's say he's in his uh, mid to late forties. Yeah, perfect. Um, and so yeah, he uh, he probably knew my father and my bro and my mom and my abuelita when she still like spoke and walk around, um, and what happened to us. And so obviously my brother like ran off and joined a gang, but more importantly, he also knows about my family and what we can do. And, um, and Wait, so, so this is, I don't know if you, you probably can't okay. see this. this. This is what the guy looks like. Oh, there we go. Oh, nice. <laughs> uh, so yeah, he's uh so we're, you know, it, it's one of those, we've never actually done it or it's not like officially something we do, but I mean, if you cross us, like we can hex the hell out of you and make your life a living hell. We have the capability, or at least in theory. Um, so people generally like tend to stay clear because of that. So why bother? Why bother risk impotence uh, when uh, when he's just going to be gone and out of his jurisdiction in like 15, 20 minutes? Uh, okay, and and you've just said my brother's only going to be here f- for a few minutes. We don't want any trouble. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, I said you don't want it. I said we don't want any trouble. You don't want any trouble. 
He looks around and he, he walks closer to you. He lowers his voice. He says, I didn't see anything this time. You understand me? This time. And just Manny will kind of nod his head to him and turn back to his brother. Walk back to the ofrenda. Your brother is like holding, trying to hold a, a, a laugh in. He's like snickering to himself with his hand mm -hmm. over his mouth. And he'll basically walk, he'll walk back over to him, then like grab him by the scruff of the neck and turn him away back, back to the grave. He's like, look, man, I'm here to pay my fucking respects. All right. Then you pay whatever, whatever respect you have left and leave. All right. They don't need to see you like this. I don't want to see you like this. So you get what you have to get done and go. If you had any respect for them, you would have stuck around. This, this paying fake homage, fake respect, just have it done and leave. You know what, man? I guess I was wrong before. But it doesn't matter, because we're all already dead. He walks away. Can he, can I pull, this is going to be tricky. Can I do another move? What was your goal in this scene? Um... You know, originally, the goal was to either to to figure things out with Ale with Alejandro, either to and originally and you know on a meta level, it was to uh, to to see him and to then get upset with him about and try to try to turn that into needing to get back at him for for what he's done but after the spin so that was my initial goal uh of almost bringing it into like you know he's the cause of what happened if he if my older brother hadn't left then he wouldn't be have been put in charge as a teenager and then maybe his abuelita wouldn't have gone downhill so fast okay. and all that okay. kind of stuff so uh, i I do hear that you that you said that mm -hmm. in, in your own way. Uh, so you did get that off your chest. Mm -hmm. um, but I think what happened is he does not accept that mm -hmm. or he doesn't care. Yeah. And that means you get a drama token because okay. you did not you did not get any kind of emotional concession from your brother. Mm -hmm. In fact, I actually think that his his focus has shifted now. <laughs> He sees the position that his brother's been put in and realized that he doesn't. He always thought like his brother had the cushy life and he was like in this servitude. And now they're now that he's seen the, the degradation of his brother and what the, his life has done to him. And they're kind of almost on even keel, if if not Manny having a slight upper hand on him now. Uh huh. Yeah, your brother's a junkie, bro. Mm hmm. All right, and uh, so now, look, everybody's gathering up the drama tokens. So what exactly are you supposed to do with the drama tokens at the end? Now, there's a number of ways you can use them, and I do recommend that you flip through the books when you're, when you're not on stage. But in general, uh, you can use them to buy your way into a scene, buy your way out of a scene, or if someone is, if you're, if you're in a negotiation scene, a drama scene, right, and you're you really want what you want and they're not giving it to you, you can give them a drama token and that forces them to give it to you unless they can pay two drama tokens to back out of it. 
And so this will sometimes head into like a bidding war in the writer's room. Is that strictly between players or is that between yeah, players that, and PCs as well? well? Um, I can actually have drama tokens too, but it's pretty rare that that I would use one. Because I've right. got GM moves. So like, so as yeah, I can't out. use them to force you to concede anything as GM. Yeah, you can. Yeah, you can. I would have to pay two in order to get out of that, and I don't have any. <laughs> so in so as an example, like in theory, in Sean and John's first scene, and so in the first scene of this episode, like Sean could have theoretically spent a drama token to force or to sway John yeah. to say yes to his proposal. Yeah. And that's nice. it's it's kind of, it's meta is what it is. It's yeah. one writer it's one writer twisting the other writer's arm. Mm-hmm. But the other writer, if he's got cachet, he can spend it right back at you and go, mm-hmm. "No, the scene does not go that way." And it sounds like you also said that Manny could have ended up in the scene if he had spent a token. Yeah. 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 Actually, any anyone can inject themselves into a scene um, when we're starting at least when we're starting out, it gets a little harder to, to do it as you go. Um, but you can, you can still do it now. Let me see here. I could have seen. So like in, in my scene just now, I could have theor I could have theoretically seen like Javier. So, cause he has, he has family in the town as well. So I could have seen like him like injecting himself if he felt a need or a purpose to do so. Yeah, and at that point, what the what the tokens often come down to is a mechanical way to simulate, uh, or not simulate, well, yeah, yeah, a way to bring into game, the game world, mm-hmm. a disagreement on the meta level mm. in, in a way that sort of absolves everyone of personal responsibility and just becomes whether or not you had the tokens to do it. Okay. So, like, if you disagree on it, like, anyone in the scene can add a detail. But if anyone doesn't like that detail, they can challenge it. Right. And if the, if the challenge actually becomes an issue of contention, because the, let's say the person who proposed it isn't willing to, to concede, mm-hmm. then we whip out the drama tokens. Nice. So like if Sean or John didn't like the way that my scene was going... They could challenge they it. Could, yeah, they could have thrown a drama token in and challenged how I was handling things and like interrupted the scene. Well, only if you're in it, but yeah. Yeah. So the next time we see Manny and Javier, you're going to be pushing all your drama tokens at me. (laughs) (laughs) All in. Where did did we leave Javier? Are you still at uh, Tio's house? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he saw the plane come in. He probably stood outside for a little bit longer. He's, you know, kind of mulling over now the things that, you know, Coyote had said to him. He probably goes in, you know, has something to eat, maybe lights a candle. He wants to probably meditate a little bit, try to figure out, you know, what the hell's going on. Okay. Um, for my scene, you're going to get uh, a montage. It is uh, the second night of Day of the Dead. This is the night that, that honors the ad- adults who died. The previous night was the children. And so there's still a lot of drinking and partying and festivities and people coming and going back and forth from the cemetery on the edge of town. It is, uh, it is a festival in full bloom kind of night. And just like the end of last episode, it is now a little bit after dark. And uh, you hear the distinctive bass line of the doors break on through 
as uh, we start hard cutting from in between uh, shots of festival goers and drinking and partying and solemnly bowing our heads at the ofrenda of our fallen family members uh, to intercut with shots of people in dark alleys or sitting in cars getting shot or stabbed or falling to the ground having been poisoned one after the other after the other and as the as jim morrison starts singing the day divides the night night divides the day you're seeing bodies falling into the shadows the darkness and all of these bodies are gang members and drug dealers some of whom we've seen before and you don't see who's killing them all but you do see that they're very nicely dressed and that's the end of that scene i like it we don't have the rights for the music (laughs) (laughs) okay so having having gone all the way around some kind of like slightly different key kind of tweak some of the notes (laughs) (laughs) well we got 30 seconds how long is that description i think we can make it work (laughs) yeah i decided to do a really short scene (laughs) but the important takeaway here is someone is bumping off rival drug dealers and they're they're like hitting them all in one night it's like the ides of march all up in here Okay, Uh, we've gone all the way around once, so I think that's a good moment to take a quick break. Uh, I will refill my coffee. Anybody else needs to do that? Now might be a good moment to do that. And when we come, should I draw the card now? Sure. You got a few minutes to think. Preparation. The next person up will be Javier. Hey, everybody. Before we wrap up this episode, I'd like to take a minute to say thank you for tuning in. We hope you're enjoying the podcast from our interviews and actual plays to our rambling roundtable discussions. If you like what you're here and you'd like to support the show, we have great sponsors for you to check out. Birds of a Feather Coffee Company is a small batch craft coffee roaster and is our OG sponsor. They have three signature blends to choose from. The Morning Lark, which is a light roast. The Night Owl Blend, which is a rich dark roast. And the Hummingbird Decaf Blend. They also have the exclusive Legendary Brew, a nice medium roast coffee, perfect fuel for all those late night gaming sessions. If you use the code LEGENDS10, you'll get 10% off your order and shipping is always free. So head on over to tinyurl.com forward slash Legendary Brew or click on the link in the show notes. Thanks everybody for checking it out. We'll catch you next time. This podcast is a proud member of the Legends of Tabletop broadcast network. For more gaming-related content, please visit www.legendsoftabletop.com.